What is the COVID-19 Pandemic Physician Protection Act? What is the truth about our healthcare workers saddled with unbelievable student loan debt at criminal interest rates? How can the public and our government support healthcare workers in our time of need? Learn the answers to these questions and many more on this special episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about communication among the entire healthcare team. Let's talk to each other more effectively so that we can truly help our patients. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey guys, it's Andrew. Welcome to the special episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. I hope everyone is staying safe out there. You may have seen a recent article featured in NBC that interviewed me about student loans and the COVID-19 Pandemic Physician Protection Act. I had the pleasure of working on this piece of proposed legislation among many other physicians and my portion related to student loans. While not everyone believes in student loan forgiveness, this article was also shared by some congressional leaders, including Senator Bernie Sanders. I wanted to clear up a few things. First of all, while the CPPPA is called the Physician Protection Act, it applies to all healthcare workers, but was named such as it was developed by physicians. Secondly, while my focus was on student loans and forgiveness, there are many other aspects to the bill that were not discussed in this article. Additionally, forgiveness was one option, others included tax credits, 0% interest rates, the ability to deduct interest or the entire loan balance, and other suggestions. I put together this episode to include a few stories of physicians and other healthcare workers to help explore the bill as well as some of the things that we as healthcare workers are currently dealing with. But first, a few comments on the bill itself. The rapid escalation of COVID-19 has resulted in unprecedented challenges for the healthcare system. This legislation seeks to ensure the protection of our healthcare workers who are sacrificing their personal safety each and every day. The highlights of this document include access to personal protective equipment for all healthcare workers to slow the spread of the pandemic and ensure patient and healthcare worker safety, the establishment of a COVID-19 disaster relief fund for physicians and all healthcare workers. This would provide healthcare and disability coverage for acute and chronic illnesses resulting from primary or secondary COVID-19 exposure. Malpractice protection for physicians, which will include protections from any COVID-19 liability which may arise. The Good Samaritan standard should be applied to all COVID-19 related care. It also includes provisions to help keep our practices solvent during this trying time as well as tax credits for physicians and all healthcare workers for expenditures related to COVID-19, including licensure, credentialing, travel, protective equipment, lodging, and other related expenses. We want to emphasize that physicians can't be martyrs. We will take out the front lines. We need protection so that we can focus on the medicine. We need malpractice protections or people won't step up. We need our practices to stay solvent to be able to provide care and keep people out of the emergency department. And we need protections for our trainees and the COVID-19 fund to protect our families. My first story is an interview with Dr. K. Dr. K, along with other stories I will share, chose to remain anonymous, which speaks 
to the environment in which we are practicing right now. Please welcome her to the show and hear her story. Dr. K, welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, Dr. K has chosen to remain anonymous today. And um, But if you could just tell us uh, your involvement a little bit with our recent petition uh, known as the COVID-19 Pandemic Physician Protection Act. Yes, uh, I helped uh, write the student loan portion um, of the uh, of the act with a group of fellow physicians, um, and uh, you know, we kind of basically went through some of the history of student loans and the financial benefit of um, forgiving them for physicians and all frontline workers, um, and we included some portions of that in the bill. So, what is that? Uh, what do you think some of the benefits are? Well, um, you know, as we kind of know your story, I mean, physicians carry an incredible amount of student loan debt. And part of the reason is because of the very high interest rates and the very long schooling that we have and training. And the amount of student debt is crippling. And I don't think there's any other profession, you know, that people hold in the United States that has such a high debt burden. Um, removing those loans would really allow physicians to focus on what they need to focus on, and that is staying safe during the coronavirus and treating patients um, and not worrying about what is waiting for them back home and what is waiting for their families back home if something were to happen to them with, you know, the coronavirus. Um, The other big thing in the news right now is economic stimulus, and I think that, you know, if the student loans were forgiven for all physicians and healthcare workers as well, the stimulus from that would be incredible. Yeah, I agree. I think I think we want to, Dr. K and I want to make it clear that we support uh, cancellation of student debt for all uh, frontline healthcare workers and not just physicians. Uh, that's just the terminology in the bill. Um, but what do you say to uh, people that come at, back and say, well, you're a rich doctor, you shouldn't have any problems paying off that debt and you took the loan out? I would say I wish I was a rich doctor. I am not a rich doctor. Um, you know, the the thing that people don't understand about physicians is, is that we're out of the normal paying workforce for a very long portion of our lives. And we're, we don't really enter our real jobs, you know, until we're in our 30s. Um, so all those years, we, we, we are not making any money. We don't really start making any money until we're in our 30s. Um, I, I live very modestly. You know, I, I, I don't have a fancy car. I don't have a fancy house. I'm in a ton of debt between my mortgage and my student loans. I'm in over a million dollars in debt. You know, I, I am not rich. And most of the physicians I know are not rich. We are normal middle-class citizens. I mean, nobody can be rich if they're carrying a $500,000 ball and chain, you know, loan with them. I mean, you, you cannot be rich until, you know, until you're out of debt. And most of us are not out of debt until we're, you know, almost in our 50s. So, so how do we get here? How do we get to half a million dollars of debt? Well, you know, the, the biggest thing is the interest rates. I mean, my interest, my interest rates currently are over 6%. Um, they have been higher. I, I was able to consolidate at one point. Um, when you have these, you know, incredibly high tuition rates for schools, both college and for medical school, 
and you have a and you have long training periods. I mean, my residency was five years, and I did two fellowships as well. So basically, for seven years, I was in training. That interest just kills you. I mean, I don't even know what my exact principal was, but my total bill now is over four hundred fifty thousand dollars. I think it's like almost four hundred sixty thousand dollars, and that uh, you know, a huge chunk of that is just interest. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absurd. So you go to medical school. I know my final year of schooling, which was what, six years ago now or so, was $56,000 for tuition alone, plus mm-hmm. living expenses, which was on Long Island. So, you know, not, not that that's, money doesn't go <laughs> a very long is. way. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting at, you know, 7.8% interest rate. So after I did a three-year residency and I ended up with my balance and my wife did five years of training and ended up with almost $150,000 more and we graduated from the same school at the same time. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, most of that is interest and, you know, it's really hard to make any kind of payments during residency, you know, because we're not paid very much. I mean, I I did not make that, you know, I, I barely made anything, you know, during my residency and, you know, interest is a killer. Um, the, the other thing that, you know, is terrible about the interest rates that they set, they don't really change. I mean, the current interest rates right now are about two to 3%. You know, if you wanted to refinance your home or buy a car or anything, ha- you know, our interest rates are still above six and 7%. I mean, they are subprime rates and they don't change. And there's really nothing that you can do about it unless you refinance privately. Um, and a lot of physicians t- choose to do that because, I mean, the, the interest rates are just gouging physician. I mean, they're just crazy interest rates. If you refinance private, though, you know, a lot of the companies, you know, kind of lock you into a mortgage type loan where you can't refinance again um, because they they basically refinance it as a personal loan. It doesn't even count as a student loan anymore. They aren't forgiven when you die, um, which is terrible. I mean, leaving your family with you know greater than five hundred thousand dollars in debt when you are when you're when you passed. I mean, it, it, that's just crazy. So you're you're just caught. I mean, either you can stay with your federal loans and your crazy interest rates, or you can refinance and then get caught and essentially be taking out a second mortgage on your life. Yeah, I, it's it's absurd uh, how we got here, and and it's not just us. I mean, you, we see recent nursing graduates that graduate with a hundred thousand dollars of debt. To look at a scale, right, and and or you know, you look at sixty to a hundred thousand dollars of debt for a brand new nurse. I mean, mm-hmm. how are they going to pay that off? Right? Yeah, it's really difficult. There ha- there have been programs with a lot of hospitals for nurses that do. Um, you know, forgive their debt or pay down their debt, you know, if they work a certain amount of years. And I think that those programs are fantastic. I really think that it, you know, that we need to emphasize that, you know, student loan forgiveness is for all healthcare workers and frontline workers as well. We happen to hold a very large number attached to our student loan, you know, to all our student loans, but I agree that all student loans need to be forgiven. Um, and some of those repayment programs that, you know, nurses have, I think that they're amazing. I mean, I wish that some of the hospitals we work for would, you know, provide that for us, but I, I don't know of any physician that has that deal. Now, a lot of them, what they do offer is a student, like a student loans bonus, but most of the time that's just paid out as salary and taxed as such. So it's really not a student loan bonus. It's just, it's just disguised salary. Right. So, I mean, uh, 
In regards to the uh, CPPPA, as we're calling it, um, are there any other portions of the bill that you'd like to talk about? I know we're the two of us are very focused on student loans, but this is a much larger piece of legislation than just student loans. Right. Uh, I think that one of the most important portions of the um, bill is the malpractice portion. Um, I think that, you know, coronavirus has been, you know, just a very confusing time for everyone. You know, the recommendations set by the CDC and the government, as well as healthcare workers changes all the time. It's very wrong and difficult to hold any kind of healthcare worker liable you know, for any loss, you know, or any malpractice in this time, but there have not been across the board alleviations of malpractice um, rules for anyone. So I think that malpractice reform and um, basically good Samaritan laws across the board to prevent any frivolous lawsuits regarding coronavirus is a must. Um, I think that there have been a lot of recruiting companies, um, especially in New York, it's been in the paper that have been making physicians sign waivers saying that they are completely responsible for every outcome of the patient and basically, you know, having to put themselves out there, you know, as far as uh, liability and a lot of their malpractice carriers don't necessarily cover, you know, with the, you know, their services because they're out of the scope of practice. And I just think that that is one of the most important things. There also is a precedent with that. You know, a couple of states have already said that there, you know, will be no malpractice-related lawsuits, New York, New Jersey, Tennessee, Illinois. Um, it would be fantastic if this was federally mandated as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with all that. I think, and I think the other issue, uh, you know, not to beat a dead horse in regards to student loans, but I think uh, the, uh, the major underlying issue is what we need is medical school tuition reform. Um, and we need interest rates as close to zero as possible uh, because, Unfortunately, if we continue down this path, we're going to lose a lot of our early career doctors to burnout and suicide, um, which is not unprecedented. And we are going to start seeing only the privilege being able to attend medical school because when you have to pay, I mean, I've seen some residents talking about six or $700,000 and not being done with training. Um, if you go out and make a primary care salary, it is impossible for you to pay those back. Yeah, I think that there was a study that came out um, last year that showed that by the year 2032, there's going to be 122,000 uh, physicians. That's the shortage. There's going to be a shortage of 122,000 physicians. That This is before coronavirus. This is a study from last year. So I can't imagine it getting any better than that, you know, after this pandemic, which was, you know, I mean, physicians and all healthcare workers faced major challenges and you know, I, I don't I don't think that being a physician has become an attractive job, you know, anymore. And, you know, we, we, we saw this before coronavirus. I mean, you have to get the best of the best, you know, to have good health care in your country. And, and that's the goal for everyone. I mean, it should be the goal of everyone in the country to make sure that when you go to a hospital, you get the best care and you get the best and the brightest taking care of you. Yeah, I agree. And I, a lot of times, too, I know when we were applying to medical school, they would give us the average indebtedness of their graduating class. But what they didn't tell you is that half the students don't take out any loans. So when they give you a $200,000 average indebtedness, taking into account 50% with a zero balance, you end up with people that take out loans end up with 400K. And I think that's a real deceptive little 
little trick that the medical schools do to people that are 22, 23 years old and don't know any better. Correct. And they also give you the the average loans that you graduate with, but they don't tell you that after residency, those loans are pretty much double, you know, after interest. So you get the very early principal sum, which already is pretty high. I mean, I went to state schools and still my, you know, my loans were outrageous. I didn't, you know, go to any fancy private school and and still the numbers were outrageous. It's criminal in my opinion. Uh, do uh, Dr. K, do you, what do you say to the people that come back and say, well, uh, I paid mine off, so should you, or what do I get? I mean, I understand why they are saying what they are saying. I understand it might be painful to have paid thousands of dollars that potentially could be forgiven for other, you know, positions. But, you know, I don't think that it is right to begrudge anyone for getting anything better than you received. I mean, I just, I don't live my life that way. And I, I don't think a lot of people live their life that way. I, you know, I want the best for everyone around me and going forward, I want to make things better. And I understand why they're saying it. I understand that they feel left out and that they're not getting anything out of the deal. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's right. Yeah, I I don't understand it personally. I mean, I I have private loans. If they came back and told me that only federal loans would be forgiven, I'd be over the moon. If they came back and told me that only res- current residents would get their loans forgiven, I'd be so happy for them. I, in yeah, no way same. would I begrudge them something that I didn't get. I I just exactly. it's likened to wouldn't you want better for your children? Uh, right. Yeah. With the current climate, I've said this multiple times, I would never allow my children to become physicians. It's just, it's just too much. I mean, something has to give. I mean, it's a hard job day to day, day to day, you know, day to day, you're making life, this life and death decisions. And it's already a taxing job. It's an emotional job. I mean, the amount of testing that we went through just to get our licenses. I mean, you know, it's crazy, but to add expense onto that, you know, I would never allow my kids to do that unless there was a big change with the whole system. I'm with you completely. I, you know, my wife and I are both first generation physicians. We don't come from a family of doctors that helped us along the way. And, and in no way, if things don't change, could I recommend this career to my children? I agree. I mean, residency in itself was really tough, you know, but knowing that I mean, residency spots, that's, you know, that's another thing that is addressed in the bill. You know, there is a shortage of residency spots, which are funded by the government. And, you know, there are a lot of people graduating from medical school that don't even have residency spots. So that in itself doesn't, you know, it's just unforgivable to allow people to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for an education and then not have a spot to go to, you know, get your practical skills in. So that, you know, that, that is another thing that we address in the bill that needs to be addressed um, on a national scale since the, you know, the government is the one that's funding these spots. Um, the training physicians, you know, the residents, they're also not making anywhere near some of the training physicians that, you know, in other healthcare specialties. I mean, nurse practitioners and PA students make a lot more than residents do. Um, and, you know, the, the prices are set by the government and I think some of them are regional, but, you know, that needs to be addressed as well. Um, student loans just add to that as well. I mean, as a, as a resident, you're making maybe 
$100 a day, you know, a little bit less than that. And you're getting charged the average student loans, you know, student loan uh, amount for a graduating medical student is just under $300,000. And that accumulates about $45 of interest a day. So, you know, I, I don't know anyone else who's in that boat where they're accumulating $45 a day in interest, but are only getting paid $100 a day. I mean, the math is just terrible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just terrible. And, you know, it's not something that you know, when you're in your early 20s, and you want to be a physician. I how no one tells you these things. I mean, that there's no way someone that is 20 to 22 years old, who's bright, has great grades and wants to make a difference in this world, will truly grasp the concepts of compounding interest and what 400k plus in debt will do to the rest of your life. Um, right. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think that's just the same as someone who takes out a, uh, a bachelor's degree in a spe- in something that won't get them a job and ends up with a hundred thousand dollars in debt. I don't think they can comprehend that that mistake either uh, at right. the time. Uh, but yeah, I mean to repeat those numbers: a hundred dollars a day after tax, take home pay, forty five or so dollars a day in interest. interest. Uh, it's not even that's just interest. So that's how we got there. It's terrible. It's it's criminal. Yeah, I'll say it again. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know any. You know, I don't. I don't know anyone else in that boat except for doctors. Having said that, I love being a doctor. I love taking care of patients. I love my job. You know, I I I love. I find it very fulfilling. I love helping people. I love my job, but it's it's tough, man. It's just tough. Well, and, and you see all these people uh, on the news stories that doctors are getting fired for speaking out against uh, poor conditions and lack of PPE. But think of the amount of doctors that aren't speaking out because they can't afford to get fired because they have three kids, half a million dollars of debt and a mortgage. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge issue with um, independence and, you know, it, it, is, it is a ball and chain that is not allowing doctors to practice medicine how they would like to practice medicine. Agreed. All right, Dr. K, I think we're running out of time here, but is there anything else you'd like to touch on? No, I think I'm all set. Uh, um, no, I don't, I don't really think I have anything specific. There's a, there's a ton of great stuff in the act. You know, uh, I think that you have the link that you can share with everyone so they can actually peruse the document and see, you know, there, there are lots of things that we haven't discussed that are in there, such as tax credit, PPE, you know, availability to all healthcare workers and, you know, laws to mandate that, um, as well as a COVID-19 fund for healthcare workers. Yeah, for the listeners, I, the recent NBC article uh, linked to the petition and the act, uh, and I will leave a direct link in the show notes for this episode. Uh, for both the, the petition and uh, the act so that you can read it on your own. But Dr. K, thanks again for coming on the show and sharing your perspective with the audience. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do as a frontline worker. Oh, absolutely. All right. Take care now. Thanks. You too. Bye. Wow. What a great episode with Dr. K. She really shares a lot of her personal stories and some of the issues we are dealing with on the forefront of both the bill and the student loan crisis in this country. But it is not just physicians who are dealing with this absurd amount of educational debt. A nurse 
who wanted to remain anonymous, sent me a message stating, My employer just caught all registry shifts, and I have a ton of debt since I just graduated, and an NP can't even find work as a nurse. I filed for unemployment today. Never in my life did I think I'd be in this position as a trained ER, ICU, and cath lab nurse, and now a nurse practitioner. I have debt from nursing school and now nurse practitioner school, about $240,000. I can't get a job even in a pandemic. I'm so heartbroken. Why did I even do this? For people to treat you horribly and administrators to throw you away like garbage? I should have picked a different profession. My daughters wanted to be physician assistants, and I said absolutely not. I cannot recommend this career. Another nurse shared, I have $140,000 in debt. Another stated, 61000 For 10 years, I carried a Sally May loan with a 9.5% interest rate. Another, 169000 in student debt at 7.5% interest. These are nurses who went to school to help people and are shackled with unbelievable amounts of debt at usury-type interest rates. Some other physicians wanted to share their stories. One, approximately six months out of training, $610,000 with an average interest rate of 7%. Another, $430,000, 6.8%. It affects every major financial and job decision that she makes. A couple with a total of $580,000, nine years into her payment, concerns about savings for kids' school, when can they retire, stress and emotional burdens. Another, 500000 five years in, 7% interest rate, stress, family planning, and deciding when to buy a home are the effects it has on her. Another stated that it impacts every facet of her life from pushing off family planning to renting a small home to turning down amazing jobs because they can't accommodate loan repayment. Another physician couple with over 700000 between them state that the loans play a heavy emotional burden. Her husband chose his job based on loan repayment and forgiveness, postponing what he actually wants to do. A third-year urology resident currently sits at $510,000, expected to be ballooned up to $700,000 by the time he finishes residency. Stories like this are not meant to complain, nor are they unusual or atypical. The largely unregulated medical school and other professional school educational costs are astounding, as well as the criminal-type interest rates that are placed upon these people. Unfortunately, the longer a physician remains in training directly affects how large the end balance becomes due to obscene interest rates. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Please support the COVID-19 Pandemic Physician Protection Act by writing to your congressional leaders. Links to the petition and further information about the proposed legislation will be in the show notes. Thank you to all my new and returning listeners. I really appreciate you. We'll get back to communication and the healthcare worker experience shortly. In the meantime, if you could leave me an honest review on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it as it really helps to get the show out there. But anytime you need me directly, please feel free to email me at andrew at talktomedocpod.com. That's talk, the number two, 
me, D-O-C-P-O-D.com. Stay safe out there, everybody. Keep talking, and we'll talk soon. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest's opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.